Hey, this is Bob in the Don't Die Podcast, brought to you by Ohana Fest down in Dana Point, and brought to you by Live Nation, bringing you concerts all over the world. It all begins with getting off drugs, people. Let's go out and live life, get sober, get the right treatment for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. That's what we're supposed to keep not doing. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what we're, we're going to double negative I, our way. I like this life. pointing out like the idea is it's not real positive. The Don't Die podcast, though, it sounds inspirational. All what do we're you mean it's not you, positive? All we're asking you to do is not die. We're not asking you to thrive. We're not like it's not a high bar. <laughs> it's just exist. It's not work the steps. It's not get a sponsor. <laughs> it's not any of that. It's just don't fucking die. <laughs> kids are dying all the time. So, so uh, Thanksgiving was great. I'm filled with gratitude every day. I love my family. I love my, you know, I just loved it all. The turkey was great. Everything was great. It was all for the kids. And so it was it good was to see the, the Native Americans, and, uh, and it was wonderful. And uh, you know, yeah. but um. What I do like is the long school break. It's so good to not have to get up in the morning. Oh my god! <laughs> I slept. Yeah. I slept till eight thirty today. Usually, like Sydney's, like, are we late? Are we late? Are we late? Like, we're always late. We got our second letter. We got our second tardy. Oh, we're on, yeah, we were on tardy probation, and now it's up the ante. Like we got the second letter. It's not even Christmas. We already got the second tardy letter. Are we the first generation where as parents, school is more work for us than it is for the kids? Oh, yeah. Like, because yeah. It, it seems like it used to be that you, mom and dad would send you off bright and early. You go to the school and play for a while. Then you go to school and then play afterwards. And it was a total break. But now it's we got to pick them up, drop them off. How about this? There. Elvis, Elvis is going to a performing arts high uh, middle school, high school next year. We already got to like go down there and talk to the people. It's like it's like it's a year and a year and a, four months away, a year and six months away. Still got to go down there and, you know, get a tour and do all this stuff and fill out these forms. And like, Jesus, it's seventh grade. Are you kidding me? Just. I don't know how they did school when I was a kid. I just knew the closest thing where there was a school that had my grade. That's where you're going. Well, like, and not only I, that, but I remember my mom when it was like sixth grade going, go down to the school and see what teacher you've got. And remember the classroom. And we go on, what? Because they posted in the windows. I always took the bus to school. My dad used to drop me off. Um you know like don't no, no yeah no no hand holding back in the day but now it's like overseen and so so school is a pain in the ass to me because you have to be there on time or they get all uptight is that how it is that bug school or mike at your kid's school they're so you know how old i am bob you know what i remember when you used to have to call time on the telephone. Yeah. <laughs> five, 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 one, two, one, two. <laughs> I used to hitchhike home from high school. I would like in ninth grade, I would just, I would get school. As soon as I got, uh, you know, they would see me off onto the bus. I'd get on the bus and go to high school. And then I immediately walk to the corner and hitchhike home and go surfing. Well, you know, Veronica goes to OSHA, which is the Orange County School of Arts, and they make That's it, what Elvis is going to go to, the one yeah, in Pomona. It's actually very good. They go longer, right? Because they have to get their regular courses done at the beginning, and then they get their, 
you know, their uh, art curriculum at the end of the school. And Veronica literally goes until almost five o'clock in the afternoon. You, you know what's, what I do know for a fact? The, so, so back when we were kids, the performing arts kids were the stoners, right? Yeah. The people that were in, in, in band were stoners. Flea was a stoner. Like stoners what? were in the arts. They're in the arts being a stoner, right? Now mm. it's so hard to get into these schools. It's all perfect, like non-stoner kids. All the stoner kids are in the regular <laughs> high schools. Non-stoner kids. How would you describe your child? Non-stoner. 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 High achiever. Big rule abider. Big rule abider. That oh, doesn't fuck, go with art at all. He's fucking listening to this right now. So Elvis listens. He discovered the Don't Die podcast. Whoa, this no, is no. not good. I can't talk freely of my life anymore. He goes, Dad, I was listening to the podcast the other day, and you said this thing about me, and I really don't appreciate that. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, who's letting you talk? I thought there was age limits on these podcasts. Oh, They're letting yeah. anybody listen to this shit. No, it just oh. says it's for mature audience. It doesn't. Guess where it. he listens to it at? At school. <laughs> what? At fucking school. Hey, hi, Elvis. <laughs> it's, it's time for you to talk to the teachers about what they allow to happen on I their know. property. It's unbelievable. They don't. I said, you're not supposed to be listening. There's cussing on the Don't Die podcast. I'm criticizing our podcast. There's, not, there's cussing. Not appropriate. There, there's, it's not appropriate for 12 year olds. We're telling kids to, to do drugs. <laughs> do LSD. Yeah, so the last anyway, thing my yeah. kids want to do is listen to me rant and rave about you. Right. Well, Elvis is interested in cussing, so that's why, they, you know. Well, he's in the right fucking place, isn't he? <laughs> Whoa, there it is. The big one. <laughs> so, so anyways, the, the, the thing about the Thanksgiving break is you don't have to get up. You can do whatever you want. So let me tell you about Disneyland the other day. So I decided all five of us are going to go to Disneyland. So Chrissy doesn't have a magic pass or whatever, but three of us do. And then I just doesn't need one. So I booked the reservations. I buy a Chrissy a ticket, $144. They always say it's 107. Then you click on the 107 and then you pick the day and it's 144. I don't know how Disney does it. They're amazing with math. Chuck, are you following that? Because it wasn't You're Monday on. morning between like <laughs> 6 and 6.30. Yeah. <laughs> or that random day of, you know, like <laughs> nobody goes. So I book it, make a big deal about it. So then we're going to go in, fa in phases because the kids like independent time with each of us, right? So Sid and Chrissy are going to go at 7 a.m., be first in line and get in and be there. And then me, Idris, and Elvis are going to go like at 10.30 and then we'll join up and then they'll have time. And then and then Idris will be with them and me and Elvis can go on the things he wants to go on. So we had this perfect plan and we executed it perfectly. We got up at 6 a.m. Everybody was, you know, Chrissy and, and Sydney and I were up 6 a.m., all get brushed, teeth brushed and br br breakfast, got backpacked. Okay. And they're off at literally 7.05, which is a miracle for my wife. You've yeah. got to understand this. I and hope so she doesn't listen. At 8 o'clock, 8 a.m., she texts me, what the fuck? And I was like, <laughs> this can't be good. 
<laughs> well, first she called and I, I didn't see the phone call, you know, because I don't have a ringer on. It was a week later, Chuck, the bookie. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. I missed it by that much. <laughs> Sorry oh, about that. It's only seven days. <laughs> on the calendar that you click on, it looks exactly like the day. Uh, that it is this wow. day. There's a number. <laughs> it's I didn't look at the number. It's one up. It's one, it's one column up. Right. So that's they a got week. So and you know, and Chrissy's not a big fan of getting out the door at 7 a.m., gentlemen. She's not a big fan of it. And I was pushing, pushing, pushing. You, you gotta so get there. You gotta get you. oh my god, she was so pissed. So then I said, Well, go play on their heartstrings. Tell them you came from Idaho, you don't have it. And she goes, Bob, how am I gonna do that when she has a California uh residence? Yeah, right. <laughs> and I was like, say, well, say it's your niece and you're here from, you not know, Europe. They're not going to From Iran. <laughs> say you're from Iran. This is the only time oh, yeah. you've ever gone to Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> like, so she did. She tried. They weren't having it. Yeah. So then it was like nine at 30. And I said, listen, and she was not, you know, she's gracious and she's great, but she was pissed. So I said, listen, let me fix it. Let me fix it. There's a storyteller's cafe inside that California hotel, the fancy Deco California hotel, and they have all the characters there and they come around and eat breakfast with you. Oh, so nice. then I booked that. They got in there. Sydney got to meet all the characters and, and take pictures and whatever. But then my problem was, what am I doing with these two boys here? I got one 12 year old going, what are we doing today? What are we doing today? Are we going to do something today? <laughs> what are we doing today? You understand? Chuck, you know this. What are we doing? It's yep. our, it, I'm not in school. What are we, the word we as yep. a group, doing today? I said, well, I'm taking care of Idris. I don't know what you're doing. And he goes, can't we go somewhere else? I said, let's go to Knott's Berry Farm then. And he goes, no, I don't want to go to Knott's Berry Farm. I said, okay, um, Let's go to Rock and Jump. He goes, with Idris? And I said, yeah, we'll just throw him on the trampoline and let him, you know, roll around. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really good idea. <laughs> yeah. No, I've taken him there before. So you put him in the middle, and then you jump, and he bounces up like three feet off the ground. He loves it. <laughs> he loves it. But then sometimes he lands no. on his neck, and I'm thinking like, holy shit. Right. <laughs> Yeah, oh I just went God. to the worst possible case so, scenario and I didn't enjoy it. So, yeah. so, then, so then the only thing I could come up with is like, let's go to Target. <laughs> like, that was what? We and look for Target. my hat. <laughs> I found the hat. No, you didn't. I did. No fucking way. I have the hat. It's back. No the, fucking The way. gray hat. The gray hat is back. It's in the trunk of my car. Now, so, here's how weird I am. I started wearing it again. I don't like it as much as the brown hat that don't down there walking guys <laughs> How did you get the gray hat back, though? You're not going to believe me. So it, it was not left at Target. That's my six-year-old daughter thought it was. I didn't leave it at Target. I left it at the nail salon that I get my pedicure at. So I went and got a pedicure the other day, and the guy goes, oh, Mr. Bob, Mr. Bob, we don't have your phone number. And he came out with the hat. I was like, holy oh shit. <laughs> so you didn't have to I pay $500. I, 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 I had a pedicure, and I just left him a $100 bill, and they were like, oh, thank you, thank you. I was like, didn't want to tell him there was a $500 bill. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> I got away with paying 65 or something. I'm, I'm calling him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was a $500 hat. <laughs> there was a $500 reward on that. That guy with the red hair. <laughs> I hope he doesn't uh, listen to the podcast. Yeah, I know. God. So, <laughs> so, anyway, so we went, we went to Target and, and had an all right time. So then I, Sydney has a best friend on the soccer team. I swear to God, this is what the guy said to me, you guys. So this is, so that was Tuesday. And then Saturday before that, three days before that, it was the last soccer game of the year. And then the girl that's on the soccer team that she likes is having a birthday party. And the coach who's the, that girl's dad said, see you tomorrow. I swear to God, he said that. See you tomorrow. Wait, why, why are you already arguing? We believe you that he, that he said that. I don't <laughs> think he said tomorrow. Oh. So, so it was her birthday party. This is like two fuck ups in three days. I'm going to claim COVID brain freeze. You know, like I'm having long COVID reactions, right? Or I'm getting Alzheimer's from all the tinfoil and crack. But I made two huge blunders this week. So Sunday, I'm making this thing. And uh, Sydney wants to go to the birthday party. I'm like, yeah, we're going. It's at this place in Chino Hills. We're going there. And and. I made Elvis go. And Elvis was like, why do I have to go to a little girl's birthday party? I said, because I need company. You got to come with me. And he goes, please, I don't want to go. And I was like, you're coming. So then I assisted Elvis go to the birthday party because I'm going to a six-year-old girl's birthday party in Chino Hills. I don't know what the hell's going to go on. It's not going to be like Don't Die Podcast. <laughs> and, and, and it's going to be and it's going to be regular parents that don't get it. Oh, you so, like the music, huh? So, so, so we go there. Elvis is pa- not happy. Sydney's excited. We got the present. We're going. And uh, we walk in. It's, it's rather dead at the place where the birthday party is supposed to be at. There's like nobody there. Oh, I yeah. asked for the girl's birthday party and they're looking on the list and they're looking on the list and they're like, no, we don't have that name. Could it be a different name? And I looked at Sid like, this girl got two names. And she's like, oh. no, no. And I said, no, you don't have that name. And then I went in my email to look at the invite of which I got the address of the thing. You understand? Because it was at yeah. these birthday party thing. I don't even want to hear I had this. been in the email <laughs> and got the address to go to the place. It's next Saturday. Oh, so it's what wait. Is wrong? So you're at How? the wrong person's birthday. Wrong, <laughs> I went to the wrong God. Disneyland date and the wrong birthday in the within 72 hours. They're so like, then I'm starting it? to They're question. Like, who are these people, man? Why are they at our birthday party? Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, Bob, it's one of those places Bob. where there's like three birthdays, but I'm thinking there's something wrong with my brain. Could I have brain cancer? Could I have something going wrong? And I just don't know it. How it can totally I make sounds two like mistakes? brain cancer. I think it's Doesn't totally it? fatal it? brain cancer. Either that yeah. or you just need an assistant because you're so busy. <laughs> I think it's time for you to get a personal assistant no. because calendars what about reading are emails challenging. All the way through? What about reading email? What about right at the top? It says the 28th or whatever, the 29th or whatever. Right up, yeah. right on the thirtieth. Uh, yeah, there's those, the there's those, there's those date things again that are just confusing. 
Yeah, see, I'm confused now. We have Disneyland Bob, reservations. You better watch it, man. Chrissy's going to put you in an old person's home. <laughs> I, I know. I'm getting scared. I got Alzheimer's or whatever. I am 61 years old. When does it set on? When do you start noticing? 61. Like, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How can I fuck up two times? I'm so hypercritical of everybody, and I fucked up two times in one weekend almost a Tuesday and a Saturday. A Tuesday and a Sunday, the the birthday party. And here's the thing. I remember thinking to myself, well, they must be having the birthday party on a Sunday because there's a soccer game on Saturday. Sure. Because nobody has birthday parties on Sundays. The actual birthday is this Saturday. Well, at least you didn't miss it. Look at it that way. At least I know how to get there. (laughs) No, no, the positives are I know where it is and I know how to get there. Okay. You're not gonna miss you're not gonna miss Disneyland next week and you're not gonna miss the birthday party. I am missing Disneyland. It's a school day. I thought we were all gonna go. Nobody can go out next week. Just take them out of school. Fuck it. Oh my god, we're on probation. It's only it's only one day of school. I ran a group. I want to talk about this. I ran a group last night. Chuck, the benzodiazepine problem in America is really profound. Correct. It's it's really profound. Like people don't. So I kind of think we're the first ones that really started talking about the overdose death rate. How long we've been on there? Six years, five years, six years. How long we've been doing this? Five Five. creeping up on six for sure. So we were screaming from you know uh, 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 about the overdose death rate five five and a half years ago, and now everybody's screaming about it. So I want to move away from oh, at least most treatment professionals in the government and all that. So let's move away from that. And let's really get down to the root of the problem of America, which is benzodiazepine addiction. I mean, it's ruthless. I saw this girl. It was just so awful. The benzo withdrawal. It's so fucking awful. And that's like barbiturates. That's not barbiturates. No, no, it's Xanax, Ambien, Linesta, Valium, Diazepam. But what's the difference but, between the barbiturate uh, withdrawal and the benzodiazepine? It's a different the, drug uh, altogether. Benzo, benzo withdrawal is the worst withdrawal. I would say I went through a barbiturate withdrawal yeah. and it was fucking insane, dude. I thought yeah. I was going to kill my whole family at one point. Yeah, but it wasn't three weeks of that. No, now benzos, benzodiazepines are super, uh, their half lives are really long and they're real. Most of them are long acting except for like Ativan, but the rest of the, the Pam family are freaking rough and it just doesn't stop. And well, the people are putting it in Coke. So here's how, from what I could gather, I didn't want to, girl wasn't feeling good. I didn't want to ask too much, but it is in, there's these things that they're buying that's cocaine and Valium mixed together and they snort it. Yeah. Do you okay. know about this, Chuck? That's fun. It's called no, something. Th- it's called something. Wow. No. Molly. Like a double double whammy. Is it Molly? No. No, no. that's that's a, that's MDMA, which is But a- people are people are abusing value, like heavily abusing it, like all day long, every day. And then when they and and they're abusing other drugs. So the girl, you know. You can be on Suboxone or heroin and you're abusing the Valium cocaine, Valium and cocaine. You know, in five days, you'll feel fine from the heroin, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe 10 days Suboxone. 
I don't know. Some people, it seems to go longer. Then two more weeks after that, you're going to be sick from the benzos. Yeah, wouldn't it, wouldn't it make sense? Well, I'm just I'm just thinking in a in a not a scared straight, but just in a straight dope way. Like, listen, you get addicted to Valium, you're going to be on it for life unless you want to go through the most horrendous withdrawal for like three weeks. And at this well, point, yeah. people are such babies they can't even go through a heroin withdrawal for five well, days. Valium is barbiturate, isn't that correct? No, no. it's not. It's a benzodiazepine. Holy shit. And so like the and the big the big things that we're running up against is I'll get clients come in that tell me they're doing um, they go, I've been doing benzos, but they don't test positive for anything because there's so many analogs. Like what is that? What's an analog? An analog is just where you've got the, the basic the basic chemical, but they change minute parts of it to make it so that it's a different chemical like one called bromazepam and it was funny the guy was telling the the doctor what he was doing he goes it's like bro and maze and pam because <laughs> the doctor didn't know how to spell it <laughs> bro, and bro maze and pam, maze and pam. Yeah, so it's like so M-A-Z-E, so it's like bromazepam, and it's a, it's a benzo analog, so people are selling it off the internet because it's not outlawed. You know how they just slightly change things how like that? that? How yeah. can it be analog when the when analog, I, I don't understand that. I don't get it. What does the analog yeah, well, mean? How does the analog apply to a drug? I mean, you can't. How change, is there a digital change. drug? No, they've changed yeah. the molecular structure of it, right? Yeah, they, they slightly it, they slightly alter a chemical structure because these things are outlawed by chemical structure or they're controlled substance by chemical structure, right? By Wouldn't their that be atomic a great makeup. Job? If, you, if, if you were a drug addict and you were like the tester when they're trying to change the, the chemical makeup and they, so you would have to be the guinea pig and you take it and then report what it makes you feel like. Does that feel like well, a benzo? That, that, like, that, no, yeah. not really. Like you better give me some more. I don't. Yeah, think I need so. more. I, really... <laughs> I, need, I need a higher dose of that. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. there's guinea pigs. There's got to be guinea pigs that go that they test these on. There are clients because they're called research chemicals, and a lot of them just have numbers attached to them. They don't even have like street names yet, and and they get them, and they where don't do they know get them the from? A drug dealer? A, they, a, get them, a, they get a them. They get them. They get them off the internet. And you just take it and see what it makes. This is like fucking rocket science, drug addiction or something. Man, this is like like in my day. Okay, you had meth, you had you had speed, and you had heroin. That was it. (laughs) Wait a minute. I I don't want to get into designing drugs, but if you could design something that made you have like what what do benzos make you feel? They make you feel. They used Mm -hmm. to make me feel uh, reassured. M- mellow and kind of smiley yeah well comp like i would be uptight or tweaked out from coke and i take like four or five of those diazepams and i feel like oh everything's okay everything is really okay everything's always <laughs> been okay everything's yeah. okay so the every so so get this though the everything's okay feeling that valium gives you also has to do with how hard it is the detox so you know dr drew used to always say it's a week for every year you've been on it that's how 
long the symptoms are going to last. So if you've been on it for five years, it's going to be five weeks. Like, and they're recurring remitting symptoms. Like you might be getting a little bit better after like two weeks and then you'll have a bad night where you can't sleep and you feel like your skin's falling off. Right. So, and you'll, before you're completely symptom free, Drew had this mathematical formula. That's like, it's about a month, about a week for every year. So, so, but usually the minimal detox I've ever seen of somebody really physically addicted to Valium is two weeks. And then they seem to be fine. Uh, that, that was one guy who was in his 20s. You know, we were all waiting for a protracted withdrawals and it never came or he was too proudful, prideful to say it came. Because we were telling him it's going to You came. can die from that withdrawal, though, can you? Not really. I mean, well, they you know, they say it. that. They exaggerate I, That's one of those things. This? I've been around rehabs for 25 years, 26 years. I've never seen anybody die from a, from a, uh, uh, from a, a valid withdrawal. But uh, but I have seen many people seize from alcohol withdrawal. Oh, I've yeah. never even seen somebody seize from benzo withdrawal. So anyway, because they, you know, we it's because we treat that almost immediately. We know when they've got benzo withdrawal. We know how to deal with that. Right. So let's so let the, but just follow my logic. If you could create something that made you feel relatively like that, everything is okay. But you would suffer no withdrawal from. That would be the greatest drug in the world. And I would take it every day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? I'm curious, Bob, what does Dr. Drew think about you know, the fact that the drug pharmacies and the, the, the drug industry and the government are in cahoots to keep this stuff flowing? Well, but it's the consumer also. The consumers, the, we're a strange society. So the reason why drugs are so prevalent in America is because we're such fucking babies. We are the baby society of the world. We want to be active and riding bikes and playing tennis when we're 85 years old. You know, we want to be pain-free when we're 78. We want to be reassured, even though, you know, we don't really apply ourselves to anything. We never want to be in duress or criticized. We're just like this really fragile society. And so medications fit perfectly with that. It it, it just fits perfectly with the baby society we've become. Oh, the idea that you shouldn't ever have a bad day. Yeah. Or feel, or feel aches and pains or feel, or have a sleepless night or, or be anxious because you're a fucking loser. You you know what I mean? You should never feel these things. (laughs) That's why I have anxiety because I'm a loser. You should. (laughs) That's a rough diagnosis. You're anxious. you're a loser. You're not no, anxious. No, not be, you're not a loser because you're anxious. You're a loser and that makes you anxious. Because you're not getting what you oh, want. Because you're well, not getting what better. you want. You're not, how about this? I'll reframe it in, in a very clinical way. You're not doing what's necessary to achieve in life. And thus, <laughs> and thus you're... No, your, lack of, your lack of success in life. <laughs> You're not making it you, any better. <laughs> what? You can't even say lack of success. <laughs> no. So you make you make no effort. You make no effort in life. Oh. Thus, your life. Is, you, thus, you have no achievement in life. Thus, so, you're depressed and anxious. 
That's why. <laughs> so what you're saying is they have a pill for that. <laughs> you have a pill for everything. They have a pill for like everything and more. You should just call it the all... loser pill. <laughs> yeah, I'd like two bottles, please, because I feel worse than when we started. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think of Charlie Brown, like you go to the like, I feel like a loser. Like, okay, it's a loser. There you go. Hey, I think I ran out of my my loser subscript. My loser prescription is low. I feel I sad. I feel sad because I'm a loser. Okay, that's feel. depression. Okay, that's depression. Okay, what else do you feel? Well, I feel kind of nervous because I don't, you know, because I don't have any. Because I'm <laughs> shitty at stuff. <laughs> The Charlie Brown pill. Charlie Brown pill. You know what you walk out of there with? Lexapro and Valium. Lexapro and Valium. Now, if we could put those together now, and not have thing. a kick. You walk out of there and that gives you the confidence to succeed okay. in life, to apply yourself. That's the whole bullshit of methadone. That's what when I was. So I was on methadone two different major times in my life. Hey, I just, what are you doing? You coming in here? Oh. <laughs> Look at that. I just wants in. I just wants to be on the podcast. There you go. Hey. Look at that. Uh, there you uh, are. Uh, what are you hey. doing? Um, so, so, uh, what are you doing? Oh, you, you smelling the candle. So, so, uh, what was I talking about? It's kind of hard with a two year loser pills. Uh, Charlie <laughs> Brown pill. <laughs> no, but, but the idea that you apply yourself. And then, and uh, well, oh, the methadone thing. So yeah, I don't know how they, how they marketed Valium that they, yeah, it's going to help you thrive, right? That's part of it, right? Chuck, if you can sleep at night, you'll thrive. If you can not feel anxious, you'll thrive. That's the myth. But the best myth was methadone. I don't know if you ever, I was on methadone in the mid eighties and then in like 90. Was that, wait, was there a pitch for methadone? Like a total? Pitch? No, there was these brochures. If you went and looked at the brochures <laughs> that were in the lobby, it was like these professionals. It's a guy with a hat and a and a briefcase, and he's walking, and he's really? you know, yeah. They had this whole thing where it makes you a productive member of society. That was the whole oh, gist yeah. of the sale of methadone, right? You right. could be a opiate addict but you're you're a productive member of society i just remember seeing like and you get a, a guy hat. that looks like you beaumont the the believe it to beaver dad with a hat on and a, and a briefcase and like you're walking on and i was in so many methadone lines we beat the nazis over, and so now uh, we've got this methadone yeah, stuff yeah. <laughs> and we're gonna be you know productive members of society so i was on methadone in las vegas for a while I was on methadone in Orange County. I was on methadone in Echo Park. I was on methadone in Richmond, Virginia. I never saw anybody in all my years, <laughs> like I was on two years and another year, three years of being in a methadone clinic line, five days a week. I never saw anybody that looked like the guy in the brochure. One Aww. day I'm in line in Richmond. And I had seen this woman before and I thought she worked there and she was just having trouble getting into the building because there's a line outside for those that are experienced methadone people. And um, so I'd seen her around a couple of times. I thought she worked there and then happened to be, I was right in line behind her one morning and she turned and she was making small talk and saying, you know, how are you or whatever. And I was like, you know, um, I've seen you here and I thought you worked here. And she goes, Oh no, no, honey, I don't work here. And I said, can I ask you a few questions? And she said, sure. And I said, 
what's a person like you doing even lying here? And she goes, <laughs> she goes, I've been on methadone since 1973. And this was probably in uh, 94. And I said, I said, really? Because, like, you know, you're always sure. so scared. You, you are, are you are you sure your bones are still OK? You know, all yeah. the mythology about methadone. That's not true. Um, she said, yeah, no, I got on 70 in 73 and I completed my education. And I said, so what do you do? Because she was dressed to the nine. She had to be and she had a briefcase, just like the guy in the in the oh. brochure. And she said, oh, I'm, huh. I'm I work at the university. And I said, oh, what do you do there? She said, I'm the head of the English lit department. And I was like, you are the, I said to her, you are the only person like that's in the brochure. (laughs) You're the one one person that it works for. She's the model. No, it works for a lot of people. And I go, I said, look around. There's like, there's like 50 of us lined up. Like, I don't think there's anybody like you in this line. And, And know that. At this time, for those ladies and gentlemen at home, I have no front teeth. I weigh like 138 pounds, <laughs> and I'm probably drank a half pint of peppermint schnapps. And your clothes and, are filthy. And I'm filthy. So <laughs> I wasn't the great, you know, well-dressed, dapper, gray hat-wearing guy that I am now. I was like no. a junky scumbag living on the streets, right? And so I looked around. I go, not around here. And she goes, you know, I got on in New York City in 1973, and there were a lot of success stories. And so, and then we talked as I'd see her time again. We, and she was very concerned about addiction was progressing and getting worse. That was in 1994. She had noticed the change from the 70s methadone lines people through the 80s. And now what was happening in the 90s, like people like me showing up with no intention Uh. of getting a briefcase and getting an education and any of that. So right, where, where it was a now, chosen life path and not now just a derailment. Now it's 30 years from that, right? Yeah. And I just thought, like, you know, they've been selling these drugs to us. It's going to make our lives better. We're going to be more productive. We'll sleep at night. We'll do this. We'll do that. And we're not doing that, Chuck. So when are we going to wake up? Mm, never. Not until we know that life hurts. It has good days. It has bad days, but it's worth yeah, but doing. When are the people going to turn against the medical community? When is that? Oh, happen? never, never. No, I mean, I hear people, I hear people talk about that all the time. People in treatment talk about that all the time. They're like, "There's this guy who's part of a lawsuit because Suboxone supposedly makes your teeth fall out." And there's like a lobby. Malnutrition makes your teeth fall out. I do well, know that. They said that. Uh, this guy was saying, no, man, Suboxone is, is really bad for teeth and it's being recognized. And so I'm part of this suit. And it's just like, dude, no one made you take it. A class action lawsuit against the Suboxone manufacturer for tooth loss. How would you prove that your junkiedom that got you on? How would you prove that that was? I don't know. I, I didn't even follow up because I just I, I lose. I, I'm very disinterested in anything that has to do with a lawsuit because. Uh, you know, it's just not and my when thing. When they finally settle it, you get a check for fifteen dollars and seventy five cents. Uh, you know, he's <laughs> like, "Man, I'm going to get my teeth replaced." It's weird. Always junkies, always looking for the next free no, but, come up. But they, but people turn against. Here's the thing that happened this week. Like I've always thought. Now this is uh, we're going to have to we're going to have to tread very lightly here because of our sponsor. But there is a certain service that is kind of like the only way you can get a ticket to a concert. Right. Oh, yeah. And 
And there was a very controversial concert here in Los Angeles that they couldn't, the whole thing crashed and they couldn't get the little kids the tickets or the grown big kids. I don't know who was going to the concert, not, not me. I, I heard the but, tickets went very swiftly. <laughs> so, went, But for years, for decades, this thing has been in power and everybody knows like, like it's kind of like not the best, right? Well, everybody you know, knows that that's the only way. Where's Ticketron? Where's the, I mean, we grew up at a totally different time, but, but there is really but what only I'm one. saying is people are now the Swifties. Let's say, say there was a group of people called the Swifties and there was millions of them across the globe. They're not letting this go. Right. And right. I notice it. I've talked about it before. I've noticed it on a, a, a sister site that is owned by the parent company that, uh, you know, you go to buy a ticket uh, uh, for a, uh, mostly Dodgers. I buy tickets for and the Dodger ticket I buy is one hundred seventeen dollars. And then I buy two of them for me and Sid. And so that so to me, that's about two hundred and fifty bucks with fees. It should be three hundred dollars. All of a sudden, it's three hundred ninety two dollars. And you just wonder, how do you go from one hundred seventeen twice to three hundred ninety two dollars? That's what we're really talking about. The people are turning against it, right? I God think people Swifties. are going to turn against the medical profession for giving them this dope. It's dope. Volume is dope. Are you kidding it's me? The same wow, are you kidding? Listen heroin. to what you're saying. Listen to what you're saying. The, you never mess with the people that are giving you the dope. You never do. You just never do. I'm telling you, the, the like... I don't know. I just think that what what's it going to take? I would say that uh, say uh, let's going to take, take the people I ran the group with. The people I ran the group with is like there's like 12, 14 people there. Half of them are drug addicts. I would say of those, let's say seven addicts that are typically in a treatment center together, right in a group. Of those seven, half were addicted by either are being supplied by the medical profession or their addiction was created or assisted in being created by the American Can you imagine medical running system. for president on that platform? I'm going to take away all your drugs. <laughs> no, and that's the other thing when I was going after, when I was going after Purdue, uh, they're so buried inside. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm real happy with chemotherapy drugs that are saving my friends. New, new prostate cancer drugs are amazing. Like people are living with like really late stage uh, prostate cancer, they're living out their natural lives with these uh, uh, new drugs that they got. So I'm all for like you know that drug that that I didn't die from COVID. What was it called? Provigil or what was it called, Chuck? I don't remember. Uh, Propothol or something. No, okay. Well, there's it began with a P, this new drug that that uh if you're really bad with COVID that I was and you take it and you're fine in five days. Um, I'm all great with all those drugs, all the miracle drugs of science are great. Benzodiazepines, not one of them. Opioids, new, new versions of morphine is not one of them. We don't need more new versions of opioids so that drug companies can make more money. And we don't need any more benzos. We've got quite a few. Chuck, how many benzos are there? 30, 35? Right. But, but, you know, you could say the same thing about music. We've got enough songs out there. Why oh, do John we need Pish any more John songs? John Pachante said that. 
So John John and I went to the Coachella movie. There was a Coachella movie like 20, 10 years ago. I don't know if you ever saw it. And it was like two songs from every like great band at Coachella, right? Like Interpol and White Stripes and this band and that band and um, Chili Peppers and whatever. And so we're driving home and I go, what'd you think, John? And he goes, I just don't think people know how to write songs that good anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Compared to, and we've talked about compared to the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin, just those four bands, the songs that those four bands wrote and then compare it to all the bands of the last 35 years. It doesn't even equal Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, all the bands, all of them doesn't equal that those four bands and so somehow you know songwriting just i don't know it became not as important as style (laughs) as as look as sound as drum sound you know what i mean when me and mike Uh were making records drum sounds were the most important thing not whether the songs were good like just the drum sound remember mike they got it it took fucking two days to get a snare sound it was insane yes they did spend a lot of time trying to get that snare sound, boy. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Can you imagine? And it's, you know what the drum sound was? It was just a ripoff of John Cougar Mellencamp's drummer, Kenny Aronoff, his name is. Everybody had to have the Kenny Aronoff uh, snare sound for some reason. So there's a mm. million bands, you know, it's that big boof, boof, you know, yeah. that sound. And oh so my I God, so fucking dated. They could care less about really the songs. The songs became lesser and lesser important, <laughs> so, and the drum sounds. But I swear to you, the songs so became the less and less Johnny important. Bravo. And the drum. <laughs> now, what do kids say, Chuck? We see them all the time. The beat, the beats. Yeah, I got a beat. I got a fucking beat for the song. I, you know, people get Grammys for providing a beat on a song. That's why yeah. there's 17 people receiving the Grammy for best album or best song because one of them had a beat. Like I just watched a, a client. Are you ready for those at home that don't know music? Here's a beat. Boof. That's a beat. That's one beat. <laughs> you know what I listened to on the way out to Joshua Tree was Neil Young's Tonight the Night. And that is such an amazing album because it's just basically my yeah, but that's not for everybody. That's not for everybody. That's a, a should select be. taste. No, but Led Zeppelin's for everybody. The Beatles are for everybody. The Rolling Stones are for everybody. Pink Floyd's for everybody. And I'll, and I'll say, like, Chili Peppers are for everybody. You know, White Stripes are for everybody. There's a lot of bands that continued on that everybody likes them tradition. But it's just like there's not, it's not an emphasis on songs the last 20, 30 years like there was in the beginning, or I don't know. But I noticed that. So then we were talking, and he said, you know, if there was never another song written or another album made, you would never run out of, if you listen to music all day long, all the time, you would never run out of listening to new things. There's been so much recorded music. Yeah, and that's quadrupled since he said that. (laughs) (laughs) Because everybody's got a studio at home. Yeah. So anyways, it's, it's a weird thing, but I think songs, that's why when BTS writes Dynamite, I just love that song. That is equal to Michael Jackson. That's equal to the Supremes. It's the greatest song, Dynamite, right? Or the song Crazy by Gnarls Barkley. So great a song. And, and they stand out so much. Adele has one that I really love. 
They stand out so much from the pack because it's it's like the Beatles. It's like Dinah Ross. It's like the Motown. It's like it's the it's really good and really good stands out so much. Right. The song Peaches by Justin Bieber. I love that song. So great of a song. It, it reminded me of Marvin Gaye. It reminded me of a lot of cool things from the past. But those are singular songs. Those four songs, Dynamite, Peaches, uh, 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 the Adele song, I forget what the name of it is. It's just such a tearjerker. It makes me want to cry. And then uh, Narls Barkley Crazy. Those four songs are the greatest songs and they're, and they're spread out over the last like 13 years. Those are only, <laughs> only four songs I can think of that are equal to the Motown, what was coming out of Motown every month. What was coming from the Beatles every month. You know what I mean? It's kind of crazy. But so songs are not as, as, as they're not as, uh, I don't know. It's not as important if the well, song is good. The, the, the beat, those, the beat those... is good. The sing-along part, like Kanye, the reason why somebody was telling me why Kanye is the greatest rapper, he has the most sing-along lines. I said, what are sing-along lines? And he goes, you know, that everyone in the audience sings along. Like, yeah, yo, what up? Or whatever, you know, you, you ever <laughs> been to those concerts? You ever been to those concerts? No. It's like, it's the same thing at Megan the Stallion or Dia Lupa or all these artists. They, there's sing-along parts where the whole audience, like 50,000 people sing one line out of the song. Okay. You haven't seen it? No. It's pretty cool. But Kanye apparently has the most sing along. So are parts. you're not even you're not even considering the fact that it's a generational thing at all? Like because you're older and I'm older, these songs are important <laughs> to us. Blah blah. I blah. don't think kids, I don't think the songs... our kids are growing up with other songs that are equally as important and as big as the Beatles were at the time. To, and. But they're not nearly as complex. They're not nearly as complex. Well, who says it has to be complex? I mean, Taxman wasn't a complex song, but it's an. Are you kidding? Compared to what what we're talking about now, compared to Pop Smoke, you don't think Taxman's a little musically complex compared to Pop Smoke? Uh How can you say the Taxman Taxman is better than than Loser by Back? You know, if you're not of the Loser, is a fairly complex song. Loser well, is a okay, great so song. Loser is a great song. It's a generational Can I just tell you, thing. Loser, I think, look it up. I think Loser is 28 years ago. Okay, so I mean, I was I'm talking saying about. it's a generational thing. Well, but the, but, but the so songs of now, the songs of now don't stick around. I mean, I, you know, they just don't stick around except for just certain standout songs where certain artists are just so amazing. Um, yeah, because that, the Beatles thought that of like Little Richard and, um, you know, the 50s. Oh, Little Richard. Yeah, I was talking about that today. So Pat Panatar got in, in, uh, enshrined in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I loved it. I bought Heartbreaker. I bought the first album. I, I was um, enamored with her, but it's not Little Richard. And I said that to a friend of mine. It's like it's like an ins to to to. To induct Pat Benatar, as much as I do like that song, Heartbreaker, it's an insult to Little Richard. It's an insult to Elvis Presley. It's an insult to Led Zeppelin. It's an insult. You're saying that that, that is equal to that? Like, come on. Nobody believes that. Nobody. I'm just saying even it's a Pat generational Benatar, thing. That even some Pat Benatar kids, doesn't believe she's equal That to some that. kids are going to grow up and and to them... 
the Beatles are Pearl Jam, Chili Peppers, Back. You know, these are the artists. No, they the Beatles are the Beatles to, to the everybody. Beatles. The You're Beatles wrong. are like completely outdated to them. No, no, they're not. The Beatles are the Beatles to everybody. Also, I think the newer generations do find the Beatles eventually once they get past. Always. Because there's always naysayers. You go, oh, the Beatles suck most high. Oh, go to wow. any band. I, I go to any band thing. I love school, the Beatles. I'm not saying they're I'm all just, doing "Hey Jude." Every you're band at, you're, in you're America like or in the world. Uh, you're acting like I'm judging on the Beatles. I'm not. I'm just saying it's a generational thing, and every generation has their own. No, they don't. This generation doesn't. If it is, it's Kanye. Okay. That's it. That well, my kids and don't Kanye, even listen to Kanye. So, huh? I don't know. My kids don't well, listen to Kanye. Well, you're, you're, yeah, but I, I don't make it about yeah. what my kids listen to either. I'm talking about the the culture at large listens to Kanye. He's pop the biggest music. artist. Or now pop Kendrick, it's Kendrick not rock Lamar. Music. It's pop music. Yeah, there is no rock music. It's just there's just music. What is popular? Kendrick Lamar. What about uh, Maniskin? BTS, Blackpink. These are the biggest artists of of the, the Taylor Swift. These are the biggest artists of now, Mike. And they, I understand. I understand what you're saying. And I, I, you know, I like them, but it's not like it's the Beatles, right? It and and the and the there was like 25 years if you go through it. And I'm equally. I'm saying Motown as a whole is equal to the Beatles. When you look at the songs that came out of Motown, it's fucking unbelievable. Right by 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 people who were. Skilled songwriters who were smart enough to have people that had the talent to pull off the songs too. Well, it no, wasn't all one guy. Bob, all I'm what? saying is that Beethoven was not, you know, Beethoven uh, and and classical music was popular music at a certain time, and that was the greatest music, the most complicated music. And then it moved on to a simpler music, and then it moved on to a simpler. It still music. is the most Every, complicated. Music. It's still, but it moves on with each generation to who is the greatest. I mean, the Beatles. So what are you saying? I don't understand. You're making this. You're, you're making this argument that we're just old and we don't understand. I don't. I don't agree. You don't have to be young or old to understand how great the Beatles are. And how kind of not great modern music is right now. Just at a state like right now, the last 10 years. And that's all I'm really talking about. Okay. The amount of outstanding songs in the last 10 years that are going to last like the Beatles or Pink Floyd or Led Zeppelin or, or Rolling Stones or, and then you can conversation about Jack White and about that guitar riff, that guitar riff represents an almost an entire generation. That guitar riff is one of the most recognizable guitar riffs of an entire generation. Yes. It's so who's to say that that's not, you know, similar to young kids. of That was 20 years ago, Mike, I'm talking about the last 10. Name something in the last that. 10 years that is iconic, like what, uh, like Seven I don't Nation know anything Army. from the last 10 years. Well, then how can you argue <laughs> about it? Because I because all of a sudden you put 10 years up on the, the board. Well, no, I was talking about since we went to the movie, since, we, just, we, went, <laughs> since we went to that movie, there's just been it's just gotten stranger and stranger. Like, right, right. like I listened to a lot. I listened to a song. Elvis, Elvis turned me on to this guy called Boy with Uke, and he has really good songs. But then he just got more and more cussing in it. Like it's weird. As he releases more and more songs, he gets older. I guess he was like 17, then he's now he's 20 and whatever. And now he's saying motherfucker, and now she's a bitch and all this with kind of stuff. With a ukulele? 
Yeah, with the ukulele. Come on. <laughs> he go, he, no. He, yeah, yes, yes. It's no. hip hop. It's hip hop ukulele, dude. I'm no. telling you. No, Check it out. No. Check it out. No, I no, don't want to. <laughs> I would hate you. to like it. What if I like it? That would be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I would hate to like that. And I, I just might. <laughs> Sounds bad enough. Hip hop ukulele. <laughs> no. Yes. No, not interested. No, thank you. Oh, Next. God. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it, it's just it's just interesting. It's just interesting that that I think we were in that era where the corporations were taking over music and the drum sound had to be a certain way in order for a song to be popular. And so then as the drum sounds were more and more focused on the sound of a record, remixing a record for radio and making it sound right for radio, Mike, you know, you lived through that. I lived through it for fucking eight years, 10 years. It's it to make the song sound like a radio friendly song, right? Oh, dude, that, they, yeah. that emphasis well, then it started, it slowly didn't matter the quality of the song as years wore on, it just mattered what it sounded like, it didn't matter what the song was about. I really believe that. I believe it's a corporate control of music. You're talking about production style and yeah, and theme. Like I was a part. Of the reason why the Bicycle Thief got a record deal was because they thought they could get that song Stone played on the radio. That that beat. It had that hip hop beat, like boom, boom, and so they thought they could get that played on the radio. That's that the emphasis of getting played on the radio was is what eroded. I think whether the song was good or not. That's it, be, true. it became it became more That's important exactly than whether true. the song was good. Well, now we're 30 years after that. We're 25 years after that. So that the, whether the song is good or not is not even considered. I tell certain friends of mine that work at, at uh, uh, Spotify or at these companies, and I say, have you read the lyrics to this thing that you're putting out and you're recommending to people with the little picture of them? It's a song by Drake and 21 Savage. It's unbelievable that a huge major corporation in America could be making money off of something so disgusting, huh. right? But you, they don't even listen to the lyrics. They don't even look at them. They, they don't even at care. They're number They counters. look at numbers. Well, well that's know, just an that's extension of it has to have a certain drum sound. I'm telling you, the corporations took over and the 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 business of music became just business and music has very little to do with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. Yeah, and that, that I, I want to started... read you. I want to read you the lyrics to this song. Like it's it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, 21 the biggest put a n-word in the chicken wing pussy. Um, but wait till you hear the chorus. Wait till you hear this is something a huge billion dollar corporation is selling to our children. I just want you to hear it. This is, and they don't even know. Drop some bars to my pussy ex for me. Um, then 21, can you do something for me? Can you talk the ops neck for me? 21, do your thing, do your thing. Uh, yellow diamonds in the watch and shit cost a lot. That's a good run. Watch <laughs> and watch. Ne never send a bitch your dot. Never send a bitch your dot. What is a dot? This is this. Is, I'm reading this off the Amazon Music website. 
Uh, yeah, well, you guys are just old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, see, that shit was making me cry. I was <laughs> feeling choked up. Was that touching you, Chuck? Did that uh, touch uh, you in a special place? It was. I can show you on the doll where it was touching me. <laughs> <laughs> how can how can this? How can we live in such duality? Like that's a song. That's one of the most popular songs of right now, Mike, that you were talking uh, about now. I can you know, not with my kids, so I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is it ain't the Beatles. Well, Mike, do you, you know, know what I'm saying? Elvis, do you think Elvis is reading that or do you think? Yeah, no, now I think he is now that it was on the Don't Die podcast. He is. <laughs> I know I'm all for free speech. They have the right to make it. Everybody has the right to do whatever. But the fact that there's no conscience on the side of Amazon Music or Spotify or any of these corporations, when you get canceled for saying the slightest thing, I don't understand mm -hmm. the duality of it. Right. When, when it appears to be misogynistic and homophobic. And, and, and homophobic and and just just it's just it's it's just a really ugly feeling without even without even having to hear the way it goes you know i i don't i mean i get it Buddy Arnold used to like say really this. ugly music I'm the but it also 61 year old dude you yeah well i guarantee me. you that kids that listen to that don't even know who the fucking beatles are well then their parents failed them it starts in the no, our society failed them. The schools failed them. Our representative <laughs> government failed them. Everybody's failed them. Thanks, Biden. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. yeah, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah, let's fucking let's go, Brandon. Brandon. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> so so, you need to put a, and I, put a Biden sticker next I, to that song. I did that. I just... Uh, <laughs> It's just it's not a matter of being old or young. Young people should be offended and repulsed by that. I'm sure they will. Be. I thought our sensitive, safe space, um, <laughs> no, conscientious kids. So, it doesn't make any sense with all the bullshit we have to listen to. So do we it have doesn't make any? Is that a safe space that, uh, that 21 Savage and Drake are providing for us? A safe well, space? I can't imagine how that's not turning on itself because I really thought that was the the next generation's thing was just like the hey man everybody's um, got to get along and give each other space. No, and allow I people believe to be different. that the same millennials and Gen Zers saying that shit are listening to that music and saying the n word when they do it. Oh God, I hope not. It's 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 something to just say. Hopefully, you know music will will evolve but to say oh it's just what the kids like nowadays no well hopefully they'll like better music hopefully they'll like something cool you know that's why of i try to talk about these great songs by these pop artists dynamite is just so great it, 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 like i hope we can play it on the outro of the show dun, 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 dynamite it's just such a great Michael Jackson esque song, or the hey, weekend. The weekend has great songs. Is is, uh, is has a Michael Jackson channel, right? So they have a Red Hot Chili Pepper channel now too. I heard. So uh, I haven't heard that one. And there's a Pearl Jam channel, and there's a Bruce Springsteen channel. You know what I get tired of on those channels? You go on the Bruce Springsteen channel; it's always some uh, like 
live bootleg song from 1984 and whatever. Like, can't you just play the Bruce Springsteen songs from the record? Yeah, I really like do, those. Yeah. I don't think they have the rights to all the real ones. They can only get a hold of those <laughs> shitty, never sold ones. No, they can get whatever they want. <laughs> <laughs> they can play whatever they want. But but for some reason, like, because I, because, you know, basketball is a little boring. I'll go around to the regular channels. I got the Pearl Jam channel tuned in. I got Bruce Springsteen. I got the dad. I got the new Chili Peppers. I got the Tom Petty, the Underground Garage. Let's talk about how cool Charles Barkley is. He is. He is an interesting man. <laughs> Barkley is the coolest dude ever. I heard an interview on him. He was the funniest dude I'd ever heard. I swear to yeah, God. Yeah, he's, he's so great. Funny. And he admits when he's wrong. And so he... He's been pounding on this one basketball player, uh, Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons has been playing better. And Charles gave him gave him some props the other night, and I just felt like that you don't see very often. You yeah. don't see somebody admitting, "Hey, they were wrong," or "People can change," or "I have forgiveness in my heart." You never see that anymore. It's like I believe this, and no matter what the facts. Uh, presented to me, I just believe this. He's a bad basketball player. He's actually playing better. Right. You know, that things do change. People can change. And and you should have, you should acknowledge that. And I also think you should be able to criticize people. He's so funny, man. He said, he, he said, one of his friends asked, hey, when are you coming down to Florida to see me? He goes, well, I probably won't be down there at soon at all. I probably will never come back down there because the basketball team sucks now. LeBron <laughs> <laughs> James left and uh, I probably won't even, I'll probably never visit the state. Just very yeah. matter of factly. But, um, but to, he's a genuine, real human being that has forgiveness and makes mistakes and admits them. And you just see, oh, here's an interesting thing. When somebody makes a mistake and they own it, what an anomaly that is in media. Yeah, right. Right? Exactly. Mm. And he does it all the time. He says, yeah. oh, I was just in a bad mood and I'm sorry. And I didn't mean to say that. I love <laughs> the guy. He but, usually says, you know, oh, did I say that first? <laughs> <laughs> Did I say talking. that? I didn't really I mean that. that. No. I was thinking <laughs> it, but I didn't. I didn't know I said <laughs> I didn't it. Know I said it. So, so he's. That's why he's the most popular sports uh, uh, media person in the world yeah. because he he says what he thinks. It's never really vindictive or or and it's and it's all over the place, right? Yeah. He he's very dismissive of teams who can't win, and he's. Yeah. I saw him say one time. He said. He said. You know, I'm the king of not winning. I I played 17 or 15 seasons. I never won shit. I know what not winning looks like, and that's what this is. <laughs> when, he talk, when he talks about Shaq and his friendship with Shaq, it's the funniest thing ever in the whole wide world. He goes, Shaq yeah. is just the largest human being ever in the whole entire world, right? He doesn't know much about basketball. He just goes out there and plays, but he doesn't know that. No, you know, they, they, they know about basketball. I mean, yeah, the, but the thing of the thing of the thing not of like an analyst why, like Charles Barkley. I forget the name of their show that's on TNT, but why it's so popular is because they're human and they're real and they, and they speak from their heart. And that's so new and refreshing. Think about that, Chuck. It's so new and refreshing to be honest and real and be yourself. It's so unique because everything is so curated and full of shit and Kardashian in the world that just, you know, Kenny and him and Charles and Jack being honest about what they think and never being mean spirited, but being honest and saying he sucks. They suck. They, this yeah. team sucks. Yeah. That 
is been, you know, unique. And, and I think, I hope other people will model after that. Like, just tell, tell us what you think. Like, don't, don't stick with your team. Right. That's the whole thing. (laughs) Sticking with your team. Right. Please don't do it with the Lakers. He's been a little more honest about the Lakers. He was texting me like, Oh my God, they suck so bad. Oh my God, this is going to be a rough year. Right. And yeah, they, it's, it doesn't make any sense on paper. You got the greatest, probably the fifth greatest basketball player in the history of basketball on your team. And he's still good. You got the best power forward, or at least one of the best power forwards in the NBA on your team with the best, one of the best players of all time. And you've got this incredible athlete, you know, Westbrook. um, And you've got all these role players. Why do they suck so bad? It's really strange. It looks good on paper, but it's so, not the same reason a lot of super groups suck. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I one, mean, there's, I was, uh, there's well, no name chemistry. Any super group that works. Cosby Stills, Nash, and Young. Is that a super group? I think yeah, that was more organic really than that. I'm, I'm thinking of bands like Asia, Asia like Mike sucks. and the Mechanics. What about Damn Yankees? I went and saw Damn Yankees. Oh my How can God. I? I love. I, we I are don't in the Twilight Zone now. I love Sticks. I love Sticks still. I was. It was one of my highlights of my life. Tommy Shaw from Sticks played Renegade with Thelonious Monster, the last concert we ever played. Dun 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 Thelonious Monster doing Renegade with Tommy Shaw from Sticks. So Sticks, one of my favorite bands, my high school prom senior year, the theme was come sail away with the class of 79. Come sail away. Come sail away. Come sail away with me. Yeah. Come sail away. So I love Sticks and I love Ted Nugent, though you're not supposed to say that anymore. I did. I did love me some Ted Nugent back in the day. Me and Keith Morris were Ted Nugent fanatics when we were kids. Music's so, music, politics are politics. Music. Okay, so how can you take one of my favorite guys, Ted Nugent, and one of my favorite bands, Sticks, and blend it together and have me just hate it and leave after like thirty minutes? And I paid to get in too. I paid to well, get that's, in. Well, that's that's the that's the current Lakers. Something's <laughs> just something's just the Lakers, don't have the, Lakers the chemistry. Are, the Lakers are damn Yankees. Is that what you're Very similar. I, I think they're the damn Yankees. Damn of Yankees basketball. sophomore album. <laughs> Did they make the, a second record? I have no idea. Oh, look it up. <laughs> See how many records the damn Yankees made. Oh, uh, if they made oh. more than one, then there is no God. <laughs> well, was there a super group that worked? Was Emerson Lake and Palmer a super group? No, they were, they were, they were, that's what, how prog rock and stuff did, they did it back then. They just married people's names together. There has to be one great super group. Oh, you know what? It was good, but they never toured or whatever. Then I saw the tour and Eddie Vedder didn't sing. But uh, the thing from Seattle with Chris Cornell and Eddie Vedder, that was a good All right, The group. Temple of the Dog. Temple of the Dog. That was good. Yeah, that was badass. Yeah, but they were doing other people's songs. They were doing uh, Andrew Wood's songs. Is that what it is? Is that who those songs yeah, are? Yeah, that, that's I could I could have sworn that you know my, who else my... was in that band because I saw it at the forum, you know, twenty years after the album came out, and then everybody's thinking Eddie Vedder's going to come out and sing a song, and then he didn't. But uh, Chris Cornell was the singer. Was Stone Gossard in that? I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I really, I, I 
that I'm going hungry. Yeah, hungry. Yeah, that was, and also a guy from Allison Chains sings on that record too, I, right? I, I I thought that that's what uh, I thought Lane, the reason Lane they do that sings was Lane Staley. I Lane thought that they sings did on that, that for um, but they did it as a tribute to to Andrew. I thought it was his songs that didn't get done with Anyways, Mother Love Bone Temple or whatever. And the dog might be the only great supergroup ever invented. Wow. Is that true or not true? Well, I don't know. Shit. It was a great record. It was a fucking great record. In fact, I'll say that record was better than a lot of the bands that were in it, some of their records. (laughs) I'm not going to get into detail, but that record was excellent, Temple of the Dog. I had it on cassette. I had it on a cassette. Remember cassettes, Chuck? I do. I've got a whole, I got a couple boxes of them. How come they don't sound right? I bought a cassette player and plug it into my stereo. They just don't sound right. They sound all smushed and and that's, like there's that's, that's the shitty problem with that. That's the problem with magnetic tape. <laughs> it just what it, happens? It, it, it doesn't. It's, it's not look durable. It does and if you, really. Yeah, yeah the really magnet. The, the 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 tape is actually magnetic, and the and the stuff that makes it magnetic is a metallic sort of coating, and it comes off. So, what? Why, so it's not the player? It's not the player? Well, it uh, comes off on the player's head, and then the head has to be cleaned off. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I bought, a, I bought a player on, on eBay. I hooked it all up, and then I got all my old cassettes out, and I played them, and they sound like shit, so I threw the player away. Should, it wasn't the player's fault? No, it no. wasn't. You just got to <laughs> clean it, and you got to play newer. The tape is old. The tape is 30 years old. So and and they stretch out when you rewind them and fast forward and stuff. It's, it's just and not only that, if you don't rewind them or fast forward them all the way to the clear tape, that part that's exposed deteriorates super quick. This you this, know how I'm, they transfer. So Bob. We we sa- we solved a, a rock and roll mystery. Is there ever been a great super group? I believe there has been. And I believe it's called Temple of the Dog. All right, let's say goodnight. That's goodnight. <laughs> we we've gone from saving people's lives to researching rock and roll supergroups. What more can you do on a podcast? We Good have night, ladies and gentlemen. Good night. Yeah, that's a mic drop. It's yeah. <laughs> a mic <Right>? drop. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Good night. Good night. I'm going to go listen to Damn Yankees. There's got to be one good song on that album. I'm going to download Temple of the Dog. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. bye. bye.